Welcome to the MP3 Podcast, Mastering Personality, Perspective, and Productivity, where we believe you need a stronger foundation for a higher elevation. We invite you to listen as we talk about personality, to connect and to understand, perspective, to explore and shine, and productivity, to demonstrate and resolve. And now, your hosts, Ariel Kopak and Roger Wolkoff. When we think about closure, oftentimes the word closure brings up the thought about relationships, the thought of wanting closure of something such as a relationship that you want to be done or that perhaps you just need to be done. You need to have that sense of closure to move on. But closure is not always about this grandiose situation or the need is not only present in emotionally intense situations. Closure is a thing that we crave on a regular basis, but the amount to which you crave it may vary. It may vary depending upon a lot of things, but also just based on your own preference. We all crave closure at some level. We all might crave it a little bit differently or at a different frequency based upon who we are and how we're wired and how we view and experience the world around us. It's important to identify and be aware of your need for closure and also identify how much control do you have over it. There's a great quote by Alexander Graham Bell that helps to put this in a different light. Roger, would you share that quote with us? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Here's the quote. Sometimes we stare so long at a door that is closing that we see too late the one that is open. Why did we pick this quote, Ariel? What does it mean to you? How does that come up for you? It's definitely a potentially deep quote when I read it. There's a lot you can take away from it or even put into it, perhaps from your own viewpoint or understanding. But the reason I like this quote, that we liked this quote, is there is a natural desire for closure. Right? We all have that wanting. But sometimes our need for that or our craving of that, we can become so fixated on wanting the closure that we miss out on the opportunities right around us. We miss out on what's in front of us and we don't take that opportunity or we miss out because we're holding on to something so tightly. Perhaps it isn't even there or that we can't have, but we're waiting, we're holding out in the midst, in the gap, in the space and not seeing what's right around us that could serve us well. So that's the reason I like this quote because there is an acceptance of our desire for closure and awareness of that, but also an awareness of how it can hold us back if it's taken too far. I like the way you put that. Yeah, I'm with you. It says to me that if we're staring too much at one thing, if our focus is all on one thing, I agree with you 100% that it means that we might miss some other things. Absolutely. And as we're going to talk about soon, the opposite can be true. Mm -hmm. The way this came up for me, let me go back a little ways. So early in my career, early when I was just out of college, I took a sales job. I was selling college textbooks to professors. Now, it's not sales in the way that we'd normally think of transactional sales. Those of you who are listening who are more familiar with more long-term sales, that's kind of what this was. And the long tail of this sale was by semesters or quarters. So I would have to wait months before the final decision. But all along the way, right, you're nurturing a relationship, you're developing a relationship, and there was influence and persuasion along the way to get these professors to buy my book. And this was feature benefit selling and all that kind of stuff. But the big thing was it all came down to likability and service and all that kind of stuff. Well, internally, I struggled. 
I struggled with closure. I didn't note it at the time. Later on, I realized, oh, here's what's wrong (laughs) with this picture, why I didn't enjoy it so much. It was that long tail, Ariel, right? It was that long tail of I would step into your office and leaving that office, I would not even have a commitment yet. Maybe, well, I'll consider it. Send me this and I'll, we'll talk about it. Follow up with me later. It's the typical sales type of process, but I wanted it now. You know what I'm saying? That immediate gratification. How did I do? <laughs> Give me something here. So I would have to wait and wait and wait until three, four months later is when those orders came in or the follow-ups when I would make the phone calls and figure out if they chose my book or not. And so what I started to learn about myself is that I like immediate gratification. In that sense, I want quick closure, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit is just the opposite in terms of how I make some other decisions where I like to leave the conversation the opposite of closed. I like to keep it open, right? I don't want to make a decision yet. I could be that guy in the room who drives you nuts (laughs) with, are we just going to get to a decision already? So it's relative, but I thought I'd bring up that sales example first. I appreciate that example a lot because I work with people who are in long-term relationship-based sales a lot. And that is a common thing of the waiting game or having something that isn't closed. There's a little bit of that, a few different things going on, that immediate gratification desire. But then also for those who strongly crave closure, that openness, the waiting game, the uncertainty of is it's going to close or not, that gap of time can cause stress or anxiety for those who have a strong pull or craving of closure. We all have it to some extent. There's a quote by Jeff Davidson that says, the human mind appreciates closure and a clean ending. Mm -hmm. That's so true. We all appreciate closure and a clean ending. There's some clearing out that happens when we have closure. And there's a little bit of peace perhaps that happens when we have that clearing out. Right. It makes room for more. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know that there are times when I get stressed with too much openness, as much as it's my preference to want to continue the conversation. I know that when I get to a point of stress and anxiety, as you just mentioned, I now have that emotional intelligence awareness to know, oh, wait a minute, it might be me. I might have too many things open. I might not be closing things or getting that satisfaction that I desire. Right. We all have a different level of capacity, I think, sometimes for openness too. Those who prefer openness, we have a natural preference for openness. When we're talking about natural preference, I'm really referring to, you don't have to know the difference of the dichotomies with how you prefer to approach or orient the world around you. But there is that description, in particular with the Myers-Briggs assessments with the difference of dichotomies. Those with a judging preference generally prefer more stability, predictability, structure, planning. Those with a perceiving preference generally have a stronger pull or preference towards openness, spontaneity, flexibility, that being able to make kind of those quick decisions or having options. Everyone craves both, but the amount that you crave may differ. And then also your stress levels impact that. So those who like you, Roger, and like myself, have a stronger preference towards the openness, the spontaneity, the flexibility of options. That may be, but when we're in a stress environment or a stressful mode, there's been too much openness and that's causing anxiety, then all of a sudden you can have kind of a flip to, I need closure, I need closure. Yeah, that is so insightful. And I hope people understand that point you just brought up about capacity, because that is so true. The surprising thing for me was once I learned what my preference was, which is perceiving, it really struck me at times why I wanted so much closure 
why I would suddenly flip to it. And in talking with you and learning about it, that stress part is so true. When I'm highly stressed, I'm like, can we just end this? Can we just figure this out? And just to add on a very short story, when I was a project manager, I would bring my perceiving self, my preference for perceiving, to these meetings. And it would frustrate me at times when there would be people in the room who were ready to close the conversation because they're like, can't you just see this is where this is going, right? You know, boom, 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 closure. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 can't we talk about this? And then there would be this back and forth without an understanding of what our preferences were. I wasn't aware of that desire in them. I mean, it became clear later on why they did it. But what I'm trying to get to is an understanding and questioning led to better understanding as to where we were both coming from. That's great. And I also wonder, as you say that, was there ever a time at which you did have the flip of, you know, Roger's always the one who wants to explore options and have openness and spontaneity and flexibility and be able to adapt and maneuver. And then all of a sudden, one day you're feeling stressed and you're like, can we just close this already? (laughs) Did you ever flip to that? Funny you bring that up. Yes. Why, yes, Ariel, that has happened to me. Yeah, it did. And I remember a couple of meetings where, yeah, I was high stress and I would do that. And people walked up to me or would say in the meeting, those who knew me, what's wrong with him? <laughs> you know, It's like they knew something was wrong. Something was off. Those who were sensitive to it would be like, wait a minute, where's he coming from? And before I was aware of it, I would just be like, no, we just need to close this without explaining why. And later on in my career, or as I grew, I would say, I'm feeling a little stress around this. I just feel like we've been going at this for so long. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from. I just don't see the need for any further dialogue. That's my personal opinion. That's why I feel the need to just wrap this puppy up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good question. I think there's definitely a balance in there. But as you say about that awareness, people who knew you were, that's not Roger's regular mode. No, That's not how he shows up when he's just naturally in his preference and how he explores things. Now, that doesn't mean that if you have a preference for openness and spontaneity and flexibility that you don't also want closure or want to see movement or progress on things. But there's a noticeably different approach. Right. And your language shifts a little bit and all that. And there's probably the opposite. You might have seen this as well, where those who have a natural preference for closure and they're like, let's make a decision and move on. Or they just want the some piece of it closed. When they get under really stressful situations, they might actually flip to struggles with decision making struggle to have closure because of their stress or anxiety response might be, I'm too afraid to make a decision or I don't want that closure. They might actually flip to feeling the need for openness, for flexibility, for options. So true. I remember a guy I worked with in communications who was always on my team, John, and he was very quick to close. I could always count on John to wrap something up. And you're right. When I noticed it in him that he, whatever, whether it was body language or what he was saying, he was like, you know, hold, hold, hold on here. We need to explore this a little more, which was very uncommon language for him. And I thought, okay, wait a minute, I need to pay attention to this. Or others would pay attention. They learned that, yeah, when we notice that in the other person, as I noticed it in John, you're like, okay, we do need to pause here because there's some valid concern. What I love about this is what you've talked about and we were talking about in preparing for this episode was we each have this different capacity and tolerance for open and closed. And I can't emphasize enough what you were saying there, that you want to be aware that these are preferences and that you can flip back and forth. What we're talking about here is just our first inclination, our natural gravitational pull. Exactly. I love that. Yes, your natural immediate pull. And that doesn't mean that you can't maneuver or flex in both. Of course not. And just to level set, Ariel, you put it so well. What are the P and the J in the Myers-Briggs world? What are perceiving and judging in that world? So 
the perceiving and judging is the dichotomy of your innate preference, kind of your first pull. Right. And that this is all about how you're hardwired in the brain. It's just what's your immediate pull. I talk about it in regards to, when Myers-Briggs talks about it, in regards to your dominant versus your non-dominant hand. Right. There's just that natural pull towards one doesn't mean you can't use either or both. I mean, there may be some who are purely ambidextrous and that might be true with the dichotomies. I honestly don't know. I haven't dug into that level of the science, but <laughs> majority of people, at least we can embrace, have an innate pull towards one or the other. And this is about how you approach the world around you or want it to be kind of set up. If you could have the world be how you want it to be, most of the time, doesn't mean always, but most of the time, we all want a little bit of difference of variety. But if you could have your world set up in your preference, most of the time, would it be more structured, planned, orderly, consistent closure, kind of that check the box and move on way? Or would it be flexible, spontaneous, open, go with the flow, not tons of planning ahead or predictability? So again, there's a lot of variability within that, but there is that natural pull towards one preference over another of how you'd prefer the world around you be or how you'd prefer to set it up, kind of. So... Judging does not mean judgmental. Right. That's uh, sometimes a misperception. Judging does not mean judgmental. Judging is just the term for the preference of you prefer it structured, orderly, planned, that kind of thing versus perceiving is the openness, go with the flow, spontaneous type of setup. So that's the difference of the preferences and how I see this come into play. I always think about what's the application of this, right? How can we use this information to our benefit? And I think it's important to identify it's not an exact science. What's your capacity, right? There's, I don't think there's a scale of one to 10. I'm at an eight for capacity <laughs> of openness. That's not how it works. It also completely depends upon your situation. We talked about stress. Your yes. stress level impacts that. Yes. All of that. But as we talk about awareness and my overused phrase that I love is awareness is always the first step, but it should never be the last. With awareness of this kind of spectrum or these differences of capacity and tolerance, I think it's important to ask yourself, what am I craving or needing right now. And when you think about the world around you, if the world around you is not oriented to how you prefer to work in your world or operate in the world around you, how can you bring in some of what you're craving or needing more? Whether that's more closure or more openness, more determined decisions or more flexible options. I think just asking yourself the question of what am I craving? Am I craving more openness and spontaneity? Or am I craving more closure and structure. And the truth is, whatever it is that you're craving, when you have that awareness, you start to ask yourself, how do I give that to myself? Sometimes our environment is not set up to provide that for us naturally. And when you start to ask yourself that question, you can think about how do I provide that to myself in my given situation? So well put. I think about that now, fast forwarding to running my own business. And my natural tendency is the P, to want to leave things very open. And the downside to that is there's a tendency to have little closure. I don't want to necessarily have to wait for stress or anxiety to make a decision for closure on decisions in my business. Should I write that book? Should I create this course? Is the course done or is it ever going to be done? Is this online course ever going to be done? So what that means, and this works for anyone listening who's on a team full of perceiver preferences or judging preferences, what I'm getting to is I want to surround myself with others who may have that tendency to want to close. I just came off of a phone call with someone, as a matter of fact, today, who said, well, why aren't you just doing it? 
<laughs> I don't know, because you're not here in the room with me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you bring up a good point, you know, write this down. <laughs> then, yeah, okay, make this, you're right, I've thought about this too much. The good part is that I had someone that I could talk to about making a decision about that project, about creating an online course next quarter. So it also has to do with who you surround yourself with. Absolutely. And you can lean on people who have an opposite preference of you. I certainly did that when I was in California. I had a few coworkers who had a preference for judging. And I would lean on them a lot for planning and the structure and a lot of those things that I could maybe enjoy creating up front. But then my preference for openness is, okay, I create it now next. Let's move on to the next thing and build that, right? And they'd be helpful. We'd lean on each other for me kind of initiating and for them helping to bring it to a close or helping me to think about that next step and make sure that we're bringing that to closure. And I really appreciated my coworker who had that preference as well as that strength really for bringing us to that closure and that fullness kind of thinking ahead at the things I would forget because I was focused on the initial opening of the opportunity or creating of the project or whatever it may be. So leveraging your strengths and your preferences, being aware of those can be really helpful, but also knowing that we all have a craving for closure. We all have a craving for openness. We might have different capacities, tolerances, or amount of preference for it. Being aware of that for one another. And as you said, with the experience and seeing your coworker flip, seeing yourself flip, that's probably an indication that whatever their need was or whatever their opposite preference was, there wasn't a good balance continually that led to too much of one thing that caused a stress reaction. It did. I don't want to lose something you pointed out there. I love that you said that you made others aware of your preference at the front. Mm. You're a starter, you're a creator. And you said, this is where I get my energy. And implicit in that or explicit might be, look, folks, I may not be the one you're going to come to to close things out, okay? Just know that about me. Because without communicating that, we can create all kinds of inferences that, well, Ariel's not good at closing. Ariel starts things, but she doesn't finish them. I would get the same thing. Roger's great at starting stuff, but he doesn't finish them as well. So we can head that off, the communication piece, with awareness. So that if people know that about you up front and you can say, I need you to surround me when it's time to close, I'd like to know that. Can you do that for me? Mm -hmm. That goes a long way. That's how I see us tying personality and closure together. Absolutely. Tying that in. And a lot of the people I worked with really well with were, again, opposite of preference. And there was appreciation for that. But it does take a little bit of swallowing of the ego and saying, you know what, I'm not the best at all things. Or not all things are my strength. And that's not fun to do. To say that I'm not the best at following through, that does not feel good to say. No, it doesn't. But it sure helps. It does help, right. And it's saying, just because I'm not the best at it, or it's not my strongest preference, doesn't mean I can't do it, doesn't mean I won't do it. And that's one thing that I think is really cautious, or something to be really cautious of. I have seen things taken too far when it comes to preferences and someone saying, well, that's not my preference, so I shouldn't do that or I shouldn't be responsible for that. And I see that as taking it too far. Again, this is a preference. It doesn't mean that you're incapable. It doesn't mean that you can't do it. But it's probably best to not have your environment set up to where you have to be outside of your preference at an extravagant amount of time. No. Yeah. We don't want to use it as a crutch. We want to use it as an awareness. Yeah, that's what yes. I would use it, most definitely. Good point. Absolutely. And with that awareness, again, there's always a balance. When are you in preference? When are you out of preference? But there's always a balance. And I think if, as you talked about, opening, 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 we all have a capacity or tolerance that at some point, 
you're going to be like too much open, not enough closure. We all have that. So how can you give yourself closure throughout? And the opposite can happen for someone who craves closure. They can have a lot of closure, but eventually they're like, I don't have enough variety or excitement or newness going on. And that can create a flip as well. Or too many decisions without continual analysis of or analyzing of options can result in that struggle to make decisions or to give yourself that closure. So having that balance is really important to make sure that you're identifying what am I craving right now? What am I needing more of? What am I lacking or not incorporating enough of? Perhaps openness, variety, opportunity, perhaps closure, decisiveness, structure, because we all need both. And if you can be aware of that and start to ask yourself those questions, perhaps you can avoid some of those stress responses that make everyone around you go, whoa, that's not like you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Throw everyone off. Exactly. Exactly. So what should we leave our listeners with this week, Ariel? I know I'm saying it over and over again, the word awareness, but it really does start with being aware. Mm -hmm. Being aware of your needs for closure, as well as your needs for openness. But just asking yourself, what am I needing right now? And what am I craving right now? Sometimes when you ask yourself, what am I needing right now? You might present an answer. Also, though, sometimes it's like, well, I don't need anything. But what are you craving? Right, Your mind, your body is craving something. What are you craving right now? And is it closure? Is it newness, opportunity? What is it? Because when you ask yourself that question, your mind is likely to respond. So if you have a perceiving preference or a general preference for new opportunities and openness, know the need for closure is still there. And it will likely present itself more in times of stress. So if you're having times of stress and you're normally more open and flexible and all of a sudden you're craving closure really strongly, Identify that you're probably in times of stress and how can you incorporate closure in your life more consistently, perhaps on a smaller basis, so that the buildup doesn't happen. That may be doing it yourself, maybe intentionally creating closure. It also might be, as we talked about, leveraging other people, having other people bring that closure so that you have that succinctness in your life. If you have a judging preference where you have a fairly consistent desire for closure, you still need that variety of newness in your life. But when your environment is continually not providing closure, you may have to create it for yourself in smaller versions. When that client isn't closing or that project is not complete, what can you identify on a smaller basis? You can give yourself that sense of closure. The whole project might not be done. The whole sale may not not be closed. But what's that next step? Or what can I do right now to give myself a sense of closure and control in this situation, even if I don't have control over the whole situation? Identify that you have the power to give yourself a sense of closure if that's what you're really craving. And in times of stress, you may fear or avoid closure. And if that's going on, identify that perhaps you're in times of stress and what can you do continually throughout to, again, in the future, lessen that buildup due to lacking. Right. That makes sense. Right. What do you want to leave our listeners with, Roger? On the heels of what you just said, be aware of yourself. Also be aware of other people's need for closure. If you're a leader or you're that person who takes the pulse of the group, or if you just want to work that work on this in your one-on-one relationships with others, recognize what Ariel had just brought up too, that this is a spectrum, right? We're going from, I always want closure to, I always want openness and talking about when you need the balance. That's what I'm going to say for that. It is an awareness. And in this case, we're going to stretch our emotional awareness, that social awareness muscle. Ask yourself, I'm going to reiterate what you said. Do I want more openness or do I need more closure? I'm going to use a phrase a friend of mine used all the time, Lisa, in project management. How about we take a step back and just look at the situation just for a little bit? Pause, 
take about 10 or 15 seconds, take a breath, figure out what's going on in your head. That is a good way to figure out what you and what others are craving. And be aware when you're looking at other people to try to put your own preferences aside. That'd be my two cents. Oh, I love that. I love that, Roger. Sometimes the awareness of your own preference can help in your awareness of others, but you want to make sure that you're setting aside. And those 15 seconds are so valuable. It's such little time that makes such a big impact. I love that. Until next time, this is Ariel and Roger, helping you to master your personality, perspective, and productivity. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow Ariel and Roger on your favorite social media channels and to rate the show highly where you listen to your podcasts. Now, Ariel and Roger have three asks of you. Share this with at least one person who may benefit from this content. Capture your three takeaways from this episode and visit www.mp3-podcast.com to subscribe to the podcast and to get contact information for your hosts along with their upcoming coaching and speaking events. Thanks for listening to MP3, Mastering Personality, Perspective, and Productivity, where we believe you need a stronger foundation for a higher elevation.